I've got a message to share this morning, and I'm going to share it, and we're going to, it'll be good. Um, but uh, I'm going to open in prayer because whenever we touch Scripture, I want to touch it and handle it rightly. And, uh, and even though um, I get to kind of be the voice that's heard, the point isn't for Daniel to convey what Daniel thinks. The point is that God would convey what God would want to say, right? That's what we, we don't gather here for me. We gather here for the Holy Spirit. We gather here to encounter the living God. And so, and so um, I'm going to pray and I invite you to pray with me that what we would hear in the next minute or two would be from, from the Father. So, um, so Father God, as we look at your scripture, as we um, open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to what you're going to say and do, God, I ask that you would meet us by helping us to prepare to hear you, by helping us to hear your voice. God, regardless of what is spoken, may it be that what each person here hears is what you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us individually, because you know what we need. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, the core of this one, I don't necessarily have a really glib title, but it's basically the difference between, I want to talk about the difference between I'm sorry and I repent. And so this had been rattling around in my, in my heart a little bit, and then I had a, a friend literally bring it up and was talking about this very specific thing. And so when I start hearing things popping up from multiple sources, and I feel like, okay, this is where the Lord is starting to speak. Sometimes you hear different voices that are saying the same thing, but they don't talk to each other. Sometimes I pay attention to that. And so that's where I uh, kind of land in here. And also, um, this might be uh, relevant also because we're talking about a little bit about repentance. And our friend Eric is going to be, he's scheduled to preach next Sunday. And he's going to have a, a message that's relevant to that. It's going to be super good. And so um, because I want to help us remember something, the, what I see in here is uh, I'm going to give you three things. So the path of repentance, because this is where we're going to land is repentance is, it requires death to self, is number one. And then number two, it is a gift from the Lord. And number three, it's a trail marker on that narrow path that leads to life. And so we're going to come back to that. But first of all, um, I'm sorry. So I go, go to back to the, to the dictionary. This is the New Oxford American Dictionary. And I'm going to summarize this because it's really long. Um, but the word sorry is an adjective, and it's talking about uh, feeling distress, and especially through sympathy of someone else's misfortune, but it also includes feeling regret or penitence, as in you did something wrong. Um, it's used in expression of an apology. Hey, sorry uh, for not for trying. I'm tr I was trying not to make the noise, and I did anyway, or whatever. So, so sorry is like an apology, but the word here is an adjective. Adjective describes something, right? And so... There's that. And so this is, everybody knows what I'm sorry is, right? Everybody here at one point or another has said, I'm sorry. We're familiar with this. Okay, so the next one is, is repent. And so repent, according to the New Oxford American Dictionary, and I think they, they got close, but honestly, I don't think they quite nailed this. But it's a verb, and it says to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. And so to and it, so it's talking about uh, it. It talks about this idea of I'm sorry is this an apology? But then here it says repentance is to feel or express sincere regret. So it feels like it's a, an extra. I'm sorry is what it feels like is what they're saying here. But I believe they're wrong. Or more accurately, incon, uh, incomplete. But the thing that they do get right and that I would make note of 
Oh, there it is. Is that uh, sorry in this dictionary is an adjective. Repent is a verb. Sorry is a description of how someone feels. Repent is a description of what someone does. Right? That's very, very different. And so uh, consider your own experience with repentance. So um, if you are going to encounter another person who is going through repentance, what do you want to see in them? Do you want to see how bad they feel? Or would you rather see them be different? Right? Want to see something different? It doesn't. And yet, for us personally, if we're the person walking through that process, which of those paths is the easier path? Is it easier to both feel bad and convey bad, or is it easier to be different? It's easier to feel bad and talk about how we feel bad. It's a little bit harder to actually be different. And so have you ever tried to repent, but you were unsuccessful? Have you ever recognized there was something that's wrong, tried to be different, and you couldn't get there? Huh? Right? This is where we can all get honest and raise our hands because I'm pretty sure that about 100% of us have been where like, like, right, even if it's some little thing, we don't have to necessarily, like, I'm trying to stop murdering people three last week. It's just too much. I need to cut back. If I can get down to just like maiming, right? So we always go straight to the big things. But, but maybe there's small things in our life about how we manage time or our attitudes or whether or not we forgive or whatever the thing is, right? And so we struggle. And so... I don't know about y'all, but but it's it's really it's significant that we can try to repent and sometimes not get there. Which is another reason why it's easy to go back to the other path and just feel bad. And so. I think that uh, repentance, consequently, it's a choice, it's definitely a choice, but it's a choice that requires help, not unlike recovering from an addiction. There's a lot of strength that comes from the, the CR program that we see, which is Celebrate Recovery, and, uh, and there's beautiful things there. And so I'm going to look, if you want, uh, I'd like you to turn with me over to John chapter 8. We're going to look at a couple of passages, and uh, <clears throat> did I get this one? There it is. And so <clears throat> I'm going to read this. I'm going to point out a couple of things here. And uh, beginning the John chapter 8, verses 31 through 35, And so this is my copy is in ESV. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And if you know the truth, if you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. That's big. They answered him, hey, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? You can totally hear, right? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. I'll keep going. So or but so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed, as in you will actually be free. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Like, I'm not clueless. You're Jews. I get it. I'm a Jew, too. Right. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. Ouch. They didn't respond well, by the way. 
Um, come on. And uh, there we go. I don't want to lose that. So here's a couple of observations about this. So if you're engaged in sin, you're a slave to sin, right? We know this, right? And that's part of the evidence of why when you choose to repent and you seek to repent, sometimes if we don't have that freedom, there's something that's missing. I believe that we can repent. God will enable us and we are supposed to be free. We're not supposed to just continue in this cycle, right? But it's easy to end up there. So, but the truth will set you free. And I'll remind you that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? No one comes to the Father except by me. So then the Jews in this instance, they say, we are the sons of Abraham. Therefore, we haven't been slaves. I think this is interesting because they seem to be overlooking, what, like 400 years? Remember 400 years in Egypt? Slaves? Huh, interesting. Uh, 70 years, Babylon, slaves, exiles, right? Another one was, think about... um, under Ahab and Jezebel and Manasseh and like they had all of this stuff and, 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 and they just skipped all of it to go back to, hey, we belong to Abraham. We're never been slaves. I'm like, bad memory, right? These guys, for, for people who are really good at memorizing things, they were overlooking some pretty glaring things. And so um, I'm going to point out, John, I've got... Uh, Romans, actually, Romans uh, 6, 11, and 12. And so and I'm going to be bouncing around through several scriptures here. So here, Paul is speaking to the Romans. He says, um, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. He's saying, don't do it. If he's saying don't do it, and Jesus says similar things, that means it's possible. You are not stuck. You are not stuck. You are not stuck. It is possible to be repentant. It's it's possible to lay the stuff aside. He does forgive us. He does cleanse us. And he does make it so that we don't have to stay there. Amen? We're not stuck. So he's calling us. I I would take these same words and I'd say he's calling us here, Paul, We are to be dead as in non-responsive, a dead body in our relationship to sin. When sin calls, sin finds a dead body. Kick, kick, kick. No twitch. When sin calls, we're dead. But when Christ calls, we're alive. We are to be alive in Christ, alive to Christ. When Jesus speaks, we respond. That is not a dead body difference, right? A relationship with sin, we're a dead body. A relationship with Jesus, we're alive. Jesus speaks. We say, yes, Lord. Different relationship. Okay, I'll repent. Oh, the, the path of repentance, I'll just say this again, is uh, the way I, I, I see it, I believe, oh, come on. I'm still learning to make this thing go. Here we go. Is death the self, right? And this has to do with pride. And I should say death to sin. And then a gift from the Lord. And it's also a trail marker on the narrow path that leads to victory. So we'll keep going. So uh, some notes about this path. So you can die to yourself. But if you're helping somebody else die. Who doesn't want to die. What is that? In our, it's murder in our country, right? If you, if you make someone die who doesn't want to die, 
That's right. So now there's this thing. There's a there's a difference, right? Because we speak the truth and we invite people to repentance, right? There's there's the, there's a fine line here. But if I I don't get to come to Brandon and make sure that he gets to die to sin, Brandon gets to choose repentance. I can speak the truth. I get to encourage him. I get to call him. And there's sometimes when I might even have to speak something that might be uncomfortable for Brandon to hear because I love Brandon. But the thing is, is I can die. I get to die. I get to repent for Daniel. I get to walk through that process. But I don't get to walk it out for Brandon. And if I did my best to make Brandon die and repent, that would be murder. Not cool. So, and also, this is from my friend Bobby. You can walk with somebody, but you can't walk for somebody. And so this is both one of those things that can really set us free because sometimes we take up responsibility that isn't ours. And we carry weight that we were not meant to carry. And yet at the same time, we are called to walk alongside, right? We are called to walk alongside, but we're not called to walk with. And so as you're walking that out, get to figure that out, you get to go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, how do I walk out in this situation what it looks like to walk with and not walk for, right? Some of that stuff, because it's going to look different in different situations. And so repentance is difficult and it requires God's help. So it's easy, therefore, to want to help somebody else because it's hard and we want to help. And yet it's a little harder to want to do it for ourselves. But um, it's like the oxygen mask, right, in the airplane. Put yours on first. Because the truth is, is the other person in the airplane, they do need the oxygen mask. They do need to repent. There really is sin in their life. You're not wrong. But we have to go first. And so if you send somebody else up the narrow path that leads to life, but then you miss that narrow path yourself, the mission wasn't accomplished. Certainly not for you. And so we get to seek to walk that narrow path. Okay, so here's, an, and this might even sound a little bit scattered. It's been a scattered week. But there's a, another phrase about when we walk through repentance and about changing direction, right? We're all familiar with this idea of repentance as a changing of one's mind. The thing about changing one's mind and changing one's direction and the verb changing what we do is that it's going to be different. And the thing about different is that it's not the thing, the same. And so I find that this one, this little phrase has been something that God put on my heart and it means a lot to me. The thing about different is that it's not the same. And I don't know about you all, but there's a lot of times when I want to repent, but I don't want to be different. It's really easy to feel bad and remain the same. How many times have we ourselves or somebody we know come and felt bad and spoken the truth about something and not been different? This is where we just, that was right. Just nod your head quietly and just like, mm-hmm. right? But it's reality because there's, this, there's that distinction. The thing about different is that it's not the same. And so if you want to be different and you go through your life and everything feels the same, that's not different because different is not going to be the same. And if something is really familiar and it has to be different, that means it's going to be uncomfortable at least for a season, right? Let's say if someone has been smoking for 30 years, I don't know, 30 minutes, I don't know how long, 
Like somebody set them on fire and they never put them out. They've been smoking for a long time and they want to be, they want to stop smoking, right? But the thing is, is like that, that habit has been born into life in such a way. It's going to feel really weird to have that gone until a new normal is established. And so this, this is part of the challenge. But if something doesn't feel different, if it doesn't feel uncomfortable, we have to go through and say, are we actually experiencing difference? Are we actually experiencing even repentance? So here's this. Uh, over in Matthew 21, I told you Matthew 7, and I was wrong. It's Matthew 21. Um, here's uh, Jesus actually talks a little bit about repentance. And uh, he says, he tells this story. He says, so what do you guys think? He's talking to the crowd. He just says, yeah, weigh in with me. He says, so there's this guy, this man, he had two sons, and he went to the first son, and he said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, the son answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind, and he went. And then he went to the other son, and he said the same thing. And then that son answered, I go, sir. But then he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Oh, I even left the answer. So you know what the crowd there thought. So, so what do you guys think? Were they right? You know? And so it seems pretty intuitive. So Jesus points at this, and then, um, and then he turns around, and then, boom. So then Jesus drops his bomb, because he, he goes through, and he challenges kind of this standard view. Truly, I say to you, the tax collectors, right, who are the bad guys, and the prostitutes, which were the bad girls and boys, go into the kingdom of God before you. That's going to break their world. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, as in they did. They stepped into repentance. They aligned themselves with truth, and they began to experience the fruit of truth in their lives. And then he talks to his, the, the Jewish folks. He says, and even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds. He's basically saying, and you guys weren't even as, as good as the son that repented and went the other direction. So kind of sobering stuff, right? And so I would actually, one of the things that stands out to me is which of the two sons repented? Tradition is that one of them repented, but I would argue both of them repented. One of them repented of evil and one of them repented of righteousness because they both changed their direction. They both went in the opposite. I would like us to be a people who repent of wickedness and sin and turn towards righteousness. And that may be that we would never repent of righteousness and turn back towards wickedness. Because I know that we can do that, right? Has anybody ever? I know there was a point in my life when I, when I was standing and I was in a good spot. And I don't even remember the moment, but I remember later on realizing I was not walking in righteousness. And I had to repent of my negative repentance and align with the Lord again. And he helped me. Okay, so here's evidence. So Jesus calls everybody to repentance. We're all called. This isn't a sometimes thing. This isn't everybody thing. This is a, a passage I've preached on this a couple of times, and I go back here in my own mind quite often. This is Mark chapter 1. So this is the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark. And so these are the first words of Jesus in his ministry as recorded in the Gospel of Mark. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And the first thing he tells everybody to do is repent. Turn around. Go in a different direction, think different, be different. And they says, and then believe in the gospel. And so this is something that's a universal command. 
And then, um, so I'm going to go over to Acts 17, which is then this next one. This is again, is, this is Paul, and he's speaking in Athens to a bunch of, of Greeks. And he says, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands that all people everywhere to repent. Turn around, change your thinking, be different. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And this he has given us, he has given assurance to all by him, uh, by raising him from the dead. Of course, he's talking about Jesus. And it is in Jesus that we can have uh, assurance. And it's through Jesus that we can be enabled to walk out repentance in him. But there will be a point of judgment. Amen. God is a righteous judge. There are consequences to sin. And the fact that we can come to Jesus and he will cover our sin and redeem us does not make it cheap. That's one of the things that just weighs on me. The cost of the cleaning of us is not cheap. Just as it it, it doesn't cost you to come before the cross of Christ, though it does. It costs us um, our honesty and our pride. We get to die to ourselves and die to sin. But the thing is, is we come and he offers it as a free gift. It's free to us. But it wasn't free to Jesus. Amen. It cost something. And here it is. Repentance is a command. But then also earlier in the, in the in the book of Acts, Peter, this is now back to Peter, and he's challenging some Jewish leaders. And we see how repentance is also a gift. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at at his right hand and as leader and savior to give as a gift, the gift of repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. He gives a gift of repentance and they said that we are witnesses to these things and every time i come back to this and we are witnesses to these things they were not witnesses only to the resurrection of jesus from the dead they were also witnesses to the gift of repentance because they had repented they had received it these were people who had been transformed right we all know the story of how peter denied jesus we all know how the guy was, he was gung-ho for Jesus and then fell flat on his face over and over again. And yet there was a point in Acts chapter 2 when he stands up and he preaches the gospel massive after, after the Holy Spirit comes in power and everything is shaken and changed and the man preaches with power. Same passion that he had before, but now as the rooted in the presence of God and he had received the gift of repentance. The path that he walked is available for us too. And yet there's this invitation for us to die to ourselves, not comfortable until it's over. Once something is dead, it doesn't hurt, right? That we would be dead to sin. Sin comes, sin goes tap, 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 and we don't respond because we're dead to it. Jesus comes, he says, hey. And we're like, and we do respond to Jesus. Repentance is the result of aligning with truth. Here's this is Romans 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There is hope, right? And so this is this act of the heart. 
Now, just the word um, confess and repentance in, in Greek, they're different words. Repent is met, metaneo, I think. And then, and then this other one, confess, is homologeo. Homologeo just breaks out like homologeo. It's like same word. So you're agreeing with what is true with confess, right? And so that's a step. But then the result must be a change in heart, a choice to believe and to walk in that belief, which we see here. Let me keep going. I hadn't talked about the narrow gate. So there's a narrow gate, but if you're walking through a narrow gate and you're walking a narrow path, in order to stay on a narrow path, I always picture this like a mountain and there's this little path and, you're like, and there's a cliff here. I've been there. In fact, I was on one where the, the trail was about like this and the cliff was like that and it was all shale. It was really, I can't believe they let us go there, but, um, but n- nobody fell off into the abyss. So it's all good. I can tell you about it now and it's cute. It wasn't cute in the moment. But so if you're, in, if you're on a narrow path, a narrow path requires frequent corrections to stay on, right? So um, I know our friend Chuck drives a boat, and he'll be out on a lake. And when you're driving a boat in a lake, you just kind of aim. And you go, right? Good enough. There's no lanes. Just keep it, you know, boats don't do well on dirt, so keep it out of the dirt, and you're good. And that's how it works. Same thing with airplanes. You get up in the air. No lanes. You just kind of say, we're going to go that way and just kind of point it and it just goes. But when you're driving your car on Kings Valley Highway, particularly when there's trees down, you have to make a lot of corrections because there's lots of corners and turns and stuff and you got to be in there, right? And if John is driving a fire truck, especially the new engine 71, it barely fits in a regular lane anyway. And so you just got to lots of little corrections, right? So if you're going to walk a narrow path, there's a lot of corrections along the way. And so for us to walk this out, that means that we get to walk through repentance because repentance is where we're aligning ourselves with truth again. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, so also do to them, right? This is where the golden rule shines up, lands up. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard as an uncomfortable that leads to life. And those who find it are few. If we're going to walk that path, there's going to be a constant path of repentance. And so, repentance is death to self. And, and the more I look at this, I think death to sin. Right? So if sin taps you, you're dead. Tap, tap, tap hey, want to go do this bad thing that everybody knows is bad? Nope, I'm dead. Can't go, I'm dead. So repentance is a gift from the Lord because I don't know about you, but there's times when I've tried to do something and I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there apart from the blood of Jesus Christ and his atoning work and how he comes in and he enables us. When we die to sin, and we're alive in Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes, then he will change your desires, and he enables us, empowers us to do the will of the Father. How did Jesus do it? He was with the Father all the time. And so repentance is not just a choice. It is a choice. You have to choose it, choose it, choose it, choose it, choose it, and keep choosing it, but it's also a gift that comes. And so, and then finally, repentance is going to be a trail marker on the narrow path that leads to life. Right? You're going down this path, repent. Boop. Little repent. Big repent, right? But most of the time, just little repents. All the time. 
We don't we don't accept Jesus into our heart. He cleanses, sets us free. We're like, boom. And then we jump into the broad path that leads. Right. If we're going to remain on the narrow path, we continue to align with truth because he's going to mature us. We all have to continue to grow. Right. None of us are perfect. I like saying that because in our culture, whenever whenever there's something like really messed up in our life, it's like, well, I'm not perfect. And like. None of us are like, we're not confused about that. About any like, right, this isn't insulting, this is just truth. And so we get to operate in the grace of the of the Lord. He's the one that allows us to go and repentance allows us to keep aligning with the truth a little bit here, a little bit there. But um. There's an illustration um, from uh, a book. It's called The Final Quest. And, and one of the things that the writer talks about is this, is this cloak of humility. And there's a point in the early part of the book, he's describing like these powerful warriors for God, and they've got their shiny armor and their breastplate of righteousness and all this stuff, and they're raging into battle. But there's a point when, when some of them forgot to put on their cloak of humility. And they couldn't see the enemy because they were so bright and shiny with their breastplates of righteousness and their sword of the Spirit and all this stuff. There's something about we don't always want to put on that cloak of humility because it's always itchy. It's always uncomfortable. It never looks good. But we'll die if without it. We've got to have that. And so the cloak of humility, which I didn't have that in notes, but that's, that's the thing that allows us to remain in repentance. And that's the thing that makes us want to avoid repentance too because it's itchy. And so um, I'm just going to close here. We're there. Um, so the thing about different is that it's not the same. If we want repentance, something is going to be different. If we just feel bad, but it's not different, we need to keep asking God to gift us with repentance. Jesus has paid the price for us to be different, so it's possible. It can happen. It should happen. We must also choose to accept that gift in order to walk that narrow path. So boots on the ground. Align with the truth in confession to God and how he directs you, right? When you're talking to the Lord, get honest. Holy Spirit will bring conviction, both of righteousness and unrighteousness. He brings us conviction in both directions. And so we go and we get aligned with truth over and over again, and we ask him for help. Number two, ask for help, right? Sometimes we need help to be different. And so even, even the CR program, I, I've run into several people whose lives are completely transformed because they were willing to submit themselves to that, the, the people that were there and the, and the 12-step program that they walked through. Beautiful stuff. And number three, choose the narrow path and keep choosing the narrow path over and over and over and over again. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have purchased for us uh, freedom. We don't have to remain slaves to sin. In fact, you set us free that we would be free indeed. So God, I ask that you, through your Holy Spirit, through your word, that you would draw us to align ourselves with your truth completely. Lord, I ask that you would um, open up the pathway to complete freedom. God, I ask that you would grant each of us the willingness and the freedom 
and even the joy of wearing the itchy cloak of humility. Lord, I thank you that the narrow path is attainable. The narrow path is available. Life is something that we can have. We really can have life and have it more abundant because you paid for it and you're opening the path for us. And Jesus, because of your gift and because of the precious value of your blood, may your blood and the gift of your redemption not be wasted on us. That we would be satisfied with feeling bad and not being different. Thank you, God, for what you're doing this week. Thank you, Lord, that you are changing us to look more like Jesus. In your name, amen.